An epiphany is one of those moments in life when something profound is realized. Something you couldn't or didn't understand before came into focus. Something new was revealed to you. That's an epiphany. An epiphany is an aha moment. Like, oh, how could I miss that? It's the time that the lights come on for the first time in understanding something or seeing it more clearly. Well, for those of us that love the Christmas season, and I do, sadly, that the 12 days of Christmas, Advent and the 12 days of Christmas have come and gone. But many Christians celebrate another event after that. And that event, or it's for many, the way it's viewed is a season, not just a single day like today, but rather a whole season. You see, the 12 days of Christmas, as I said, they've come and gone. But the season of Epiphany goes on for many more weeks. Epiphany not only, not only ends Christmas, if you want to say puts the cap on it, It also fulfills it by celebrating the revelation of Christ to the whole world. It's now gone from one place and spot as it expands in the purposes of God. Especially to those who are Gentiles. And that would be most of us, by the way. Non-Jewish people as represented by the coming of the wise men that we just sang about. Now, that's a pretty big deal historically. Maybe not as much in your traditions. A lot of people don't even know what Epiphany is. They don't understand the coming of the wise men and its significance. But it is a big deal. And at certain points in the history of the church, of the Christian church, it wasn't Christmas that was the major, big, biggest event. It was Epiphany in many churches, particularly in the Orthodox Church. So this is something that a lot of people don't seem to understand and don't realize the importance of Epiphany and why it matters. So we're going to do that today. In today's Epiphany reading We heard, and we're going to hear right now, matter of fact, the prophecy from the Old Testament. And then we're going to hear a prophecy, uh, our our statement in in the New Testament. And then specifically of Jesus. So there are, this is a longer reading, uh, so bear with me. But it's very important to get all of these three elements. Arise. Shine, for your light has come, 
and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall come over the earth, and thick darkness, and the peoples, but the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. And the nations shall come to your light, and the kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from afar, and your daughters shall be carried on the hip. Then you shall see and be radiant. Your heart shall thrill and exult, because the abundance, the sea, shall be turned to you, and the wealth of the nations shall come to you. A multitude of camels shall come, shall cover you, and young camels of Midian and Ephah, all those from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and frankincense, and shall bring good news the praises of the Lord. Now, from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 2. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where Christ was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will, be, who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem saying, Go, search diligently for the child. And when you found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child and Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, and frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. And then finally, from John's Gospel, chapter 8, verse 12. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The word of the Lord. Let's ask his blessing on it. 
Father, now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts together be acceptable, O Lord, in your sight, our strength and our Redeemer. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As I said, there you notice there are three elements there. And the way they unfold, as far as an outline for today, the first reading from Isaiah is the picture of the light foretold. The second is the light followed by the Magi. And the third is the light of flame by the coming of our Lord Jesus and his own pronouncement as the light of the world. All right, let's dig in. The light foretold. You see, the Bible pictures our world as a very, very dark place, spiritually speaking. Very dark. You can see the evidence all around you at any time, in any place, in any season. There is great darkness in the world. And so, the prophet Isaiah, long ago, foretold the people that were walking in darkness that the light was coming in that scripture that we read. That was the foretelling of things one day will be different. The light will come, the true light But that was still in shadow form. It was still not understood what all that entailed and meant. The prophet Isaiah predicted a time to come, though. He said, arise, shine, for your light has come. Somehow, in all that darkness, a shining light was going to come. He was, of course, talking about a different kind of darkness and light. But when that light dawned, it would cause a cosmic celebration, including all of the world's people. Not every single person in that world would be a part of that, but it would become global. That was how far the reach of this prophecy was talking about a one day light that would flood the whole world. Isaiah 60 verses 6 and 9 that we read. Now, when Christ is revealed as the light of the nations, we need to be reminded as a church that we have a mission to accomplish. We have been given a task that's unfinished, right, missions folks, mission committee. We've we've been given an unfinished task, and that is the result of the promise of the light coming. And that light is ultimately going to, supposed to go out throughout the whole world. That's why we do missions That's why we have a missions committee. That's why we do things that use our resources to fuel the enterprise 
of sending the light into the uttermost parts of the earth. Now, secondly, that was it foretold. It was promised. It wasn't understood, but that was foretold long ago. And it would be fulfilled. But the light was also followed. That's the second point today. The story of the Magi, the kings from the east. And by the way, we don't know whether there were three of them or whether there were two of them or there were ten of them. We don't know. They're just Magi. They were wise men. Plural. That's all we know. But the story of the Magi in Matthew 2 points to the next step in God's epiphany. His manifestation of himself incarnate through his son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Note how they were from the east and how they followed God's star. Now the question is, how in the world did they figure that out? How in the world did they, people from a place at that point in time, there was no, there was no connection, or it seemed. But there somehow, very few in the world knew about the true God who was sending the, a Savior into the world. And yet these guys did. Somehow, these kings knew. Now, we could speculate that, what that, I think it has a lot to do with the captivity and Daniel and his friends and what they reveal. Somehow these guys got some of that information and they ultimately knew. And when they saw that star, they realized this, this is the time to go. Let's get up and go and get there because what we've been waiting for is beginning to happen. You see, and when they saw the, his star, somehow they understood that this was the coming, beginning of the coming of the long-promised Messiah, that they understood. And so, these men left their land in spiritual darkness because they wanted to see and worship Christ who would bring the light of the world. They made this long journey to Jerusalem as Isaiah had foretold. It's interesting. Isaiah put that information about camels and gold and frank. And how could that be? The connection of that. And yet they knew that. Isaiah 66. Now, many people call Epiphany. The Gentile Christmas. If you've ever heard of that. The Gentile Christmas. Why? You see, it's a light not just for a select group of people. It's for people all over the world. The Gentiles. Not just the Jews, but all the people of the world can have and know this light. Epiphany is when those who are living in darkness see a great light in the face of Jesus Christ. There's a beautiful, beautiful uh, depiction here um, 
that Paul brings out here. And it's, it's just, you know, amazing. Second Corinthians four, listen, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. That's epiphany. That's a personal spiritual epiphany coming to someone who was walking in darkness. And yet that's exactly what is being depicted here. It's an epiphany when someone trapped in darkness and sin sees finally and stops trusting in themselves for salvation and starts trusting in Christ and in Christ alone. That's the greatest epiphany that we can know and experience. Starting to trust in Christ. Having, as it were, the scales fall off our eyes. Having finally understood, you mean I don't have to get there? I don't have to get good enough to get there? Bruce made that clear to us yesterday. Those that were you were in the service. It's not, oh, well, maybe I can eventually get good enough. No, you can't. The epiphany is when you realize you can't and you don't need to because it's been done. The light has come in Jesus Christ. You know what? I believe yesterday, and I pray that some people had an epiphany. Do you understand what I'm saying? That there were some people in that service yesterday that may have gone out of darkness and into God's glorious and marvelous light. I had conversations that would indicate a tremendous change in someone I've been praying for for a long, long time. And I don't know for sure what God is doing and when and how. But I, I would not doubt knowing our God. And there were, Steve wanted it that way. He wanted his brothers and friends to be there to hear the message that came from this pulpit yesterday. And so, what a, what a picture of the light to, that is followed and what it means to follow it for in our time. But, not just one, not just two. There's another explosion of light. And that's the light of flame. The light of flame. When Jesus proclaimed on this earth, when he was here, shortly before he was going to die and rise again and ascend to the Father and one day come again, Jesus proclaimed in the midst of the people of Jerusalem, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. His words exactly were, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. 
Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Jesus is saying, what? What did he have in mind? You see, during the Feast of Tabernacles, a giant menorah, seven stick lampstands, a giant menorah was lit on the Temple Mount each night at sundown to commemorate the pillar of fire that led them through their journey to to the promised land. And when Jesus describes himself as the light of the world, it's an obvious reference to this practice. Jesus is basically walking in that night or that, in, in that situation and saying, oh, you, you, you guys think this is the light of the world, these, these big menorah, seven candled stick? You think this is the light of the world? I'm your huckleberry. I'm it. I'm the one. Open your eyes. You're looking at the light of the world. You see, what that must have been, what an amazing event. When Jesus spoke these words in hearing of the people, he was reiterating his claim to be the true temple of God. He's the life source for the world. The true temple of God through which the light of the world would shine and bring light and cut through the darkness and flood the world with radiant light. The sages have a story. I want to read it to you. The menorah, the seven uh, stick candle, the menorah is the symbol, of course, of light. And the sages refer to Jerusalem itself as the light of the world. The Bereshith Rabbah. Um, And one reason for this is the light of the menorah bursting forth from within the sanctuary. For the menorah's light was a symbol of spiritual as well as physical illumination. Thus, the sages teach that the windows in the walls of the sanctuary were constructed differently than any other windows in the world. Ordinary windows are constructed to what? Let in the light. But these windows, the sages claim, were in order to let the light shine out. To disseminate the spiritual light emanating from the temple menorah and out into the world. And Jesus was standing there that night saying, I am that. I am the temple. I am the light of the world. You're looking at him. You're beholding him. 
Can you feel the drama of that moment? Jesus was saying, everything you have been waiting for, I'm it. I'm everything that you've longed for. Some celebrate a whole season of Epiphany, as I've already told you. And I think, and when I came here almost 20 years ago, it was my desire with God's blessing and with your help and with many others that we would become a church that was a year-round epiphany over and over again. And I am praying that it will be so for your new pastor, that that will continue. That will continue and grow and get stronger and more brilliant and radiant. Our year-round purpose at FBC. Have you ever thought about that? That's, that's one of the purposes that we have. We desire for people to experience the epiphany of God by seeing Jesus together. That's what that motto means. You see it on your bulletin every week. Seeing Jesus together. Seeing the light of the world. Bathing his light upon sinners like you and me. And allowing us to go free and to live and shine in his radiant light. In the early 90s, at the height of the grunge rock era, did any of you ever go through that? (laughs) There was a group called Collective Soul. And they wrote a chart-topping song entitled, Shine. You may recall some of the words, Oh, heaven, let your light shine shine down. I want to read you something that I didn't I didn't write this of course. This is this is uh someone saying what was that what was going on with that? Why was that line being repeated over and over? The chorus of shine the collective soul rhythm Guitarist Dean Rowland, call the song's chorus basically a prayer. I don't know what kind of prayer it was, how spiritual or on target it was, but it, it, they considered it a prayer and noted that the uplifting single was released amidst the despair of the heavy grunge. People, Cobra Bain, people blowing their brains out. A lot of, lot of darkness. And they were trying to sing, send something, some kind of a message. And the closing line, shine, shine on me. Yes, shine, come on, 
and shine. That was a prayer of sorts. Now, that's my epiphany, wish, or prayer for you today. Wherever you are, right here in front of me, within the sound of my voice, or somewhere else around the world. I want you to know that source of light that is Jesus Christ, the incarnate Son of God. And to have an epiphany, if you haven't, to have an epiphany in which he opens and removes the scales from your eyes and floods your life with light and life everlasting. I can't end this season without another TSO reference. One of my favorite songs is A Star to Follow. And it has this repeating line at the end. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let his light shine on everyone. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let his light shine on everyone. Every one. May it be so. May it be so. Amen. Let's pray. Father, oh Lord, thank you for sending your Son, the light of the world. Father, will you cause his glorious light to ripple through across oceans and over mountains to reach unreached people groups, people that are still walking in darkness. Oh, Lord, bring the day and the promise as you promised in your scriptures that one day the earth would be full of the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. Lord, let that be. Let that day be sooner. Lord, thank you that he has come. Let his light shine on us and all of those who walk in darkness to see this light according to your purpose. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.